The Old Testament lesson for today is Psalm 96, verses 1 through 13. This can be found on page 591 of your Pew Bible. Today's reading is a declaration of the glory and splendor of God and his praiseworthiness, which compels us to love and worship him. A reading from Psalm 96, beginning with the first verse. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. To, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I was in my first year of college, and I have to admit I was having a hard time. I really felt I didn't fit in. I thought I was a Yankee in a southern school, I felt really isolated and depressed, and I hadn't found my Christian community. And it was in that space that I had been invited that spring to go to a rock concert for a band I'd never heard before, and I decided I'd go along for the ride. And the band was U2. Something happened in that Hampton Roads arena that night. These four Irish band members sang with such passion power and conviction. My heart was literally on fire. They sang about Sunday, bloody Sunday, and pride in the name of love. They were singing about truth and justice, hope in pain. It was so powerful. It left me changed, hopeful, and I wanted to find what they had. They concluded with the entire audience singing the line, how long to sing this song, how long to sing this song. Each member of the band left 
the stage, left the arena, and the audience sang for five minutes by itself. I left completely spellbound. I took all the money I had left for the term, rented a car with a friend, and we drove to Philadelphia to follow them. (laughs) And it, it was later that month that the Rolling Stone had an article in it, and it said on the cover story, there was the band, U2. It said, U2, a Christian rock band, question mark. I said, a Christian rock band? I was shocked. I didn't know Christians could play electric guitars and drums. (laughs) I realized that watching them, I was tempted to worship them until I learned they were pointing to something even more worthy of worship. All our hearts are tempted to worship the wrong things. There's so many lesser gods we worship, whether it's financial security, status, beauty, and achievement, And they all vie for our attention, our money, our passion, our time. And we have to decide what we're going to invest our lives in. Is it worthy? The challenge with lesser gods is they often demand a price. Initially, it's tempting. We think we can control that object of worship, that we're choosing it until we aren't. In my counseling practice, I saw this happen in countless stories. We think we're in control until we aren't. And that shift happens imperceptibly but effectively. There are times we long for things that aren't really good for us. And there are times that our hearts sing the wrong song. But this psalm for today shows us how to move towards that which will truly satisfy, to sing the song that brings everything into harmony. And it points us back to our creator, to our ultimate object of worship. Knowing we're preaching through the Bible in a three-year cycle, you may say, wait, we were in Genesis for two weeks and now we're in the Psalms? Well, let me explain why. All of those texts that that we've begun with and we're in today, they all speak to a common theme, and that is what we were created for. Psalm 96 shows us that God created us to worship, to rejoice, to sing for joy for the enjoyment of our relationship with God. And that's the invitation here today. This is a psalm that's a song about joy and rejoicing. So let's take a look together at verses 1 through 6. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Well, as you look through these verses and the whole psalm, we notice all this repetition that keeps taking place. It begins with sing three times in a row as a call to worship. And then throughout the psalm, we hear about all nations, all the earth, the earth and the world and all the peoples keep getting repeated over and over again. And that's because they're all highlighting that this call to worship is global. It's a universal invitation. 
It's good news not just for the people of Israel, but for everyone. Notice how we worship God because God is above all other gods. The other gods are idols, that means created things, which really are worthless or useless. God is the true king, the creator of heaven and earth. There's splendor and majesty before him, and there is strength and beauty that are in or that fill his sanctuary. If we are feeling distant or disconnected from God, this psalm instructs us what you need to do is worship. And we can do so on our own. We can listen to music, we can sing and pray, we can serve and study the word. But there's something even more powerful. And that's when we worship as we were designed to do. When we gather together as Christ's body, the church, to gather our voices in song, in praise, in word, we encounter our awesome king, our creator. Worship is celebration. When we acknowledge God's glory, strength, and majesty, our hearts fill with that joy and exultation. And maybe some of us love rock concerts. Others, it might be opera or Broadway. And it's where you go and you feel your heart just take wing, right? Your heart soars. Well, this psalm is telling us that heaven and earth are meant to be the greatest stage and the best amphitheater ever of all time. But we're not just spectators. This performance is interactive. We have a role to play. And in this psalm we learn our role is to bless and praise and sing, to tell, fear, and worship. And I have to say, when I was studying this psalm, it reminded me of preaching in our Stanford campus. For those of you that visited Stanford You can't wait to get back to it either. The congregation is very diverse with all different backgrounds and worship expressions. And I have to tell you, as a Presbyterian minister, when I was preaching there, I was taken aback the first time I I got a loud amen (laughs) and hallelujah and even preach it. I I, I stumbled, I lost my place, but um, luckily... The Holy Spirit caught me there. But something happened in that exchange. The Holy Spirit in them sparked that Holy Spirit in us, and it encouraged me, and I sensed God's nearness even more as I spoke of his glory and power and greatness. It was as if the Holy Spirit said, speak, sing, sound forth with joy. This is the greatest message the world will ever hear. We're told to acknowledge God's glory twice in this psalm. Glory is also another word for abundance, weight, honor. If we truly beheld God's glory, his shining splendor, his brilliance, beauty, and the brightness of his goodness and majesty, we could do nothing other than glorify him. Is worship only for us humans, us image bearers? Well, the psalm says, no, actually, we are not the only ones invited to celebrate God. Even the creation itself rejoices. And this psalm takes us on a tour of creation and the song that's being sung. So I'm going to skip ahead in our psalm to verse 11. 
And I'm going to just break this down, and I invite you just to sit in these words. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Imagine with me the heavens, made with all those twinkling stars and planets, and their beauty is gladness. We join that gladness in our worship today as those on earth rejoicing, celebrating. And it goes on to say, let the sea roar and all that fills it. Sea roar. I can almost hear the ocean waves crashing against the beach. For some, that sound could be white noise. But as you listen more deeply... Can you hear the sea roaring as creation singing praise? Let the field exult and everything in it. I picture a large field with wild grasses and flowers dancing in the breeze. I can see the colors and their movement as a dance of exultation to the majesty of God. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. The trees are singing, imagining the wind blowing through them. And notice that the branches, even without leaves, are still lifting skyward in praise to God. When you and I stand here in church and we sing our praise to God, we join our voices with the song of the stars and the wildflowers the trees, and the ocean. Not only are we all singing a song in harmony, but it makes God glad to see us do exactly what we were created to do. Even in a fallen world where the truth is veiled, there is a knowing in our hearts. There is a God who created the earth and all that's in it for his good pleasure and for ours. And one day, he will make all things right. We know the creator by what he has created. It's another way to get to know him. If creation sings God's praise, we're joined to sing the same tune. In our final song we'll sing later today, the chorus captures this invitation to us. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. My daughter Elise was three years old when we went to the Outer Banks with friends. She encountered her first big wave beach, And as she walked into the shallow waters, she burst into dance. She was spinning and leaping with joyful abandon. My heart melted watching her. Once I got over my adult embarrassment, I waded in and I joined with her in playing in the waves. I think she heard God's song in the roar and the foam, and did what her little innocent and spontaneous soul led her to do, to worship the Creator. And as she did, I was drawn in to worship as well. The heavens, 
the earth, the sea, the fields and trees, they celebrate, they're glad, they rejoice, they roar and exult and sing for joy, and we're invited to do the same. There is a day coming in all its fullness when we will do so in harmony with the creation in unending praise, but we're not there yet. More is needed. The psalmist highlights for us what that more is in verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. The Lord reigns. This is that high point of the processional celebration. God is king of all. All glory is due him. He is unmovable, that solid and sure foundation, because he will judge the peoples with equity. Judge with equity means to execute justice, to rule justly, to set all things right and treat everyone fairly. This is a surprising twist to our story. It's strange, isn't it, in a psalm about celebration to talk about judgment? Maybe as I read that line, you think, I'm so glad God is going to come and judge all the evildoers. Well, a little part of me thinks that, but then as I reflect more, I remember that Scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yikes. Now I'm not comforted. I'm terrified. Why are we celebrating judgment? But this gets resolved for us in verse 13. Let me start a little bit of 12 as we get there. Then all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So we're told rejoicing is happening because he comes. And what did he come to do? He came to judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Notice that pronoun, his. Not in our faithfulness, in his faithfulness. We can face judgment because we trust in God's righteousness And that word righteousness means being made right or restored to being whole. God fixes the problem with the gospel. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus in us. It's not our faithfulness that matters, but that of his son. So celebration and we can rejoice in the promise of justice and judgment because Jesus went to the cross to take our place. That is the divine exchange. And we read about that in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was sinless, but he took on our penalty, the weight of our sin, and died for us on the cross so we could be restored and redeemed as God's beloved children. Our sin, our hearts that wander, our misdirected worship, all get replaced by Jesus' faithfulness and love. 
We were created for harmony with God and all creation, which was lost at the fall. And if you want to learn more about that, stay tuned. Next week, we're going there. God needed to send his son to restore our relationship, to redeem our rhythm with God, to help us recover the song we were made to sing. And as we stand before something beautiful or magnificent, it takes our breath away. We, don't we? If we see something amazing, it takes our breath away. We inhale. And as we behold Jesus in all his love and glory, then praise and worship is our automatic response. It's our exhale to our inhale. With Jesus as our judge and redeemer, God is about ruling justly and one day setting all things right on earth as it is in heaven. We participate in that joyful song of creation as we do what we were designed to do, to worship him, the one worthy of all our praise. And I want to conclude with a line from a hymn by John Rippon, and it says this, Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Amen.